This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard, and Michael, oftentimes we dip into the archive for a program. This is a brand new program for 2020. Here we are together. Completely new, all new pieces. Yeah. Remember the old ad, is it live or is it Memorex? <laughs> We're not exactly live, but we aren't Memorex either. So, <laughs> Well, and, and not only two new pieces, but two great new pieces. Oh, indeed. Why don't you say who's yeah. coming up? Well, uh, my I must say my favorite uh, songwriter, Sarah Groves. Oh. Uh, and my favorite New Testament scholar, uh George Guthrie. I so bet you say really that about all the New better. Testament scholars. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but really, uh, George, uh, both George and Sarah have have encouraged me, and uh, you know, been been friends for a long time. Yep. So it's going to be great to have them on. Sarah will come up in the second half of the program, and George is moments away from joining us here in the studio with Michael Card. Here's a Facebook comment. I know these encourage me. I hope they do you as well. This person says, I'm so blessed by the podcast through all that Michael shares, the wonderful speakers, and the last but not least, his music. The programs are drawing me to have a closer relationship with Jesus and bringing me so much peace and comfort, especially during this crazy year. Well, amen to that, right? Yeah, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Whoever sent that in, thank you. What a crazy year it's been. You and your family are surviving okay, though. We're all right. Yeah, we're all right. Okay. Of course, we're in we're in Nashville. Nashville is where everyone's fleeing to. So <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Well, that's the start to our conversation here today with Michael. We're going to ask you to sing a song in a moment, and then Dr. George Guthrie will join us, and later Sarah Grove. So I look forward to this hour. I really do. How about the, your song we recorded in the studio some time ago? In the beginning, you want to say anything about this song? Uh, well, it's it's the title of the the Hebrew uh, uh, the book in the Hebrew Bible, Genesis, Bereshith is uh, in the beginning and uh this song is is you know it's just that it's uh it's trying to go all all the way back to the beginning and and then look ahead to um jesus coming because it's all connected good well we're getting to uh into the holiday season before too long aren't we here's michael card recorded for us in the studio in the beginning My child begin again 
you're free to start again. Michael, thank you for that song here to begin our program today. In the beginning. If uh, a few years ago, if I said we're going to Zoom with someone, uh, <laughs> you'd be thinking, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> Get in a plane and fly there, yeah, I guess. Now it's part of our everyday language, isn't it? But uh, Yes, it is. We have a guest who's joining us via Zoom here today. You want to introduce our friend? Yes. Uh, uh, George Guthrie, Dr. George Guthrie has been uh, uh, a friend and, and a, a deep encourager uh, to me for Many years, uh, we became friends sort of through uh, Bill Lane years ago, and uh, he's been just a just a faithful faithful friend all these years. Welcome, George. So good to be with you guys, and it, yeah. it is great to be able to see you. Yeah, <laughs> really, <laughs> all the way from Vancouver. And by the way, Michael and I are both very jealous because I've I've seen the pictures of you on Facebook holding those uh, fish that you. Uh, you wade in those rivers for that looks fantastic. Oh, listen, I, I dream of trout these days. I really do. We uh, yeah. we have one of the best fishing locations in the world right here yeah. in British Columbia. And so, one of the things I wanted to do when I came up here was to learn to fly fish. Um, I had done other kinds of fishing, but I have colleagues here who are keen fly fishermen, and we go out. Here's the big question: Are you tying yet? <laughs> You know, you, uh, you're asking people tithing, cost, tithing or tying. Tithe, oh, okay. Tying. <laughs> okay. He knows what I mean. Flies cost about three dollars a piece. Okay. There's your answer. So I haven't gotten into tying. Uh, making my own flies is what Michael's talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, I do tie my own knots when I'm. Oh, okay. that's good. Okay. Well, we can't have a professor of New Testament on the line with us, Michael, without uh, opening to a New Testament book. How about the Book of Matthew? Yeah, George, we'd like to talk about uh, a passage in Matthew that most people just skip right over uh, to get to the, you know, to the story, and that is the genealogy. Well, I, I think, honestly, the genealogy is one of the most beautiful, exciting parts of Matthew, and I'm serious wow. about that. I'm not, I'm not just saying that. Well, uh, let's go. Uh, you know, we, we've got one in Luke that's, uh, they break off, and they're somewhat different at some point. Uh, Luke seems to be doing something different from with his genealogy than Matthew is. So, I mean, you know, talk to us. I mean, I know the the, the basics. You know, the the women that are there that aren't supposed to be there, and the structures there that you know of the uh, Abraham David exile business. But well, let's talk about that because that that is really uh, very very significant. So the whole book starts out with uh, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. Mm-hmm. the son of Abraham. And uh, so that's verse one. And you, you mentioned the structure. Uh, he's going to come around all the way at the end. And uh, in verse 17, he's going to say, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, Right. 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So yes. that kind of movement there is uh, called an inclusio. It's kind of a sandwich where Mm -hmm. you have something stated at the beginning and at the end that's really important to understanding what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, what what Matthew does here is he frames the history of Israel symmetrically, Mm. uh, moving from Abraham to, to David, from David to the Babylonian exile, and from the Babylonian exile to Jesus, And Mm -hmm. so, we need to kind of get our heads around, you know, what's going on with that symmetry. Um, So, uh, what's happening there, if you think about both with Abraham and David, you have uh, these covenantal promises Mm -hmm. uh, of a son and a seed in both cases, right? Hmm. So, what he wants to do is he wants to kind of uh, riff on Abraham to kind of bring up the covenant blessings, the foundation of what it means to be the people of God. And then he's going to move from Abraham to David to the uh, Davidic kingship covenant and the promises surrounding God's rule. So you've got kind of covenant blessings and covenant rule in those two. And then what happens in in, uh, the genealogy is a third thing that's actually very painful because it's in the Babylonian exile that 
all of those promises and hopes come crashing to the dust. Hmm. If you think about it, when you get to uh, the exile, all of the promises of uh, the Abrahamic covenant have, not only have they not been completely uh, fulfilled, they have actually, you know, come come to nothing uh, in the dust. They're so not he, blessing the nations. Uh, they are ruled by the nations. Uh, so is he kind of tricking us with that structure? I mean, I hear Abraham, yeah, David, yeah. And I'm 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 waiting to hear another superstar. And all of a sudden I hear exile and I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, is that what he's doing? Well, it's it's a little different. It's not really it's not really a trick. Uh, if you think about it, he goes from Abraham all the way up to David. And it's like David's the pinnacle. Yeah. But the way, if you read uh, that part of the genealogy, uh, he immediately brings up murder and adultery. Ah, <laughs> Uriah, the wife of Uriah the mm-hmm. Hittite. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then from that point, everything just goes downward and comes crashing to the ground in the Babylonian mm-hmm. exile. So you get to that point, and it's it's all uh, kind of devastating. Can I ask an elementary question? You mentioned the word symmetry. Does it just so happen that there's 14 generations between these? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Actually, most scholars would say that the way that genealogy worked is it could be shaped. You don't have a, a Hebrew word for grandfather. So sometimes uh, a genealogist could skip a generation or two if you wanted to emphasize something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, you you actually, if you look and compare it with, with Luke's genealogy, Luke's genealogy is different because it's the same from Abraham to David, but then he goes through another uh, son of David, the fourth son, uh, the youngest, all the way down, uh, you know, to Jesus. And he goes all the way back to Adam too, right? Yeah, he goes back to Adam. He actually goes in a reverse order from Matthew's approach to genealogy, but you have a very different genealogy from uh, David to, to Jesus, because you have another line that's being followed to get there, right? Yeah. So uh, going through two different sons, they all go back to David. So he's he's son of David in both. So is Luke doing something different with his genealogy? Yeah, I think I think Luke is. Um, Luke is really wanting to. I, I think David's right in the middle of Luke's genealogy, so that's uh-huh. different. And he's really going back to Adam because he's he's coming at it as Jesus as the Savior of the whole world. Yeah. Now, Matthew's doing something similar that we'll get to in just a minute when we when we talk about some what else is going on there. But let me just kind of finish the thought on the Babylonian exile. Mm-hmm. And that is, all of this is, comes crashing down, but then it moves from there to Jesus. Mm. And the idea is that in Jesus, all of the covenant blessing of the nations— uh, all of the rule of the nations, you know, the Davidic covenant, all of that comes together in the same person in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So all of the hopes of the people of God in this beautiful symmetry you see in the Old Testament story, all of those hopes which people were longing to have fulfilled come together and are answered mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus, who's not just son of Abraham, son of David, he actually turns out to be the son of God. Right, which answers a question I had, and that was, you know, obviously God put this here for a purpose. That's the purpose that we would know that, that we'd understand that. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, a big part of what's going on here is he's shaping, he's evoking all different parts of what we call the Old Testament, the Old Testament story, to, to say that they're all coming together in the person of Jesus. So one way to think about it, it's not that Jesus is a part of the Old Testament story. It's that the Old Testament's a part of his story. Mm. And that's a different way of looking at it, right? Wow. Um, you know, so it's all it it's not that he gets his significance from his ancestors, it's that his ancestors get significance because of who from he him. is. Well, he's the wow. fulfillment. Yeah. Wow. Well what uh what about the the four the four women? Um do you buy into the? Um, I, I know Craig Keener says that the, they're there not because they're somehow, you know, shady women. That's what's what I've heard all my life. They're there because they're Gentiles, because they're they're married to Gentiles, right? Yeah, I absolutely buy that. I yeah. uh, I they actually are, are people who are 
outside the, the covenant people who come into the story and actually have a really significant place in the story. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I think, I think the reason, one reason that they're there is um, Matthew is probably written into a context where you have a large Jewish population is kind of the base Christians, you know, yeah. believers who are Jewish in background, but they're also interfacing with a lot of Gentiles in their community. And uh, the whole Gentile thing, us, our story, you know, as Gentiles gets woven in, kind of folded into the story from this point. And I'll, I'll tell you one cool way that that happens with Matthew as a whole that I just think is, is very awesome. Uh, when you look at the structure of the book, the genealogy kind of launches the first four chapters, which are primary, primarily the preparation of the Son of God. And uh, in, in some ways, it culminates or kind of climaxes with the confession of the Father uh, at the baptism. Uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. So, you have the climax of the first movement. And then after that, what happens, you have the temptation, uh, you know, if you really are the Son of God, right? Uh. So, that kind of kind of closes out the, the first big movement. The second big movement uh, runs from uh, 4.17 all the way through 16.20. And there's some other bits in there about the Son of God, but it climaxes with what? The confession at Caesarea Philippi. Uh-huh. So, you have in the, in the big movement from chapter 4 through uh, halfway through chapter 16, where the disciples have this kind of thing unfolding where they're, they're learning the identity of Jesus, you know, like Mike with the, with the calming of the storm, who in the world is who this? Who is this? You know? yeah. and, and that whole section climaxes with the disciples getting it. And, and, you know, they confess you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The, the third main movement of the book is going from there. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to teach his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and, and suffer and die. Mm -hmm. And that movement on the passion of the Son of God climaxes with one final confession at the cross, mm. and that's by a Gentile. Yeah. And wow. actually, the whole book crescendos with the centurion saying to those around him, "This surely this was the son of God. Yeah. Of all people to recognize who he was, the guy who's crucifying him. Yeah. So it's just, it's just incredible. And, and there's a pretty straight beeline from that to the great commission itself, go into all the nations, yeah. to all wow. the Gentiles, you know? So, wow. so this whole thing that gets launched with the genealogy is programmatic in a sense for the whole book, hmm. because all of the blessings of the people of God are being fulfilled. They're being taken up into who Jesus is in his launching of the new covenant. Mm. And, uh, and, and yet all along, if you go back and you read the blessing of, of Abraham uh, or the covenant with Abraham in chapter 12, 15, 17, all along God's desire was for this to be broader than just one ethnic community. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't plan B. It was not plan B. Yeah. Yeah. I thank God for men like you two that really bring out the details that are so rich that we just miss if we don't really get our nose in the word and uh, really draw this out the way that you can for us here. This is amazing. Some of well, this yeah. I've never heard before, George. This is just fun. I mean, this, I, you know, I can't believe that I get paid to actually study this stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and teach other people. So I, I, it's just a privilege for yeah. me to be able to to be with you guys again. Well, in our final moment together, we're going to ask Michael to sing a song here in just a moment. And there is a connection for the song that we've chosen, Michael, the song that you record in the studio that we're going to play that recording for. The song is Asleep yeah. on Holy Ground. It happens to be about Jacob, who's mentioned here in this genealogy. Well, and, and also, I just saw this for the first time, Jesus' step-grandfather is named Jacob, according to this genealogy. So how cool is that? <laughs> Dr. George Guthrie, professor of New Testament at Regent College in, yeah, Vancouver, British Columbia. We're all very jealous go, of that. <laughs> go catch many fish, my brother. <laughs> George, thank you for your time today. So good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me back. Michael Card comes to sing for us, Asleep on Holy Ground. 
A stone for a pillow as hard as his head He slept on holy ground The dreaming deceiver he dreamt of a ladder with angels up and down And the ladder was a way The stairway was a sign The gates of heaven opened wide Revealing the divine Asleep on holy ground he lay Oblivious to the night Inside his head and heart were full of inexpressible light Soon he would be confronted By the friend that we most fear Asleep on holy ground he lay Deceitful, blessed seer Now transformed to a nightmare As he wrestled with a man The unearthly power of his beloved opponent Made Jacob understand That the wrestling was the way The struggle was the sign he limped away his lesson learned Now Israel was divine He limped away on holy ground Awakened from the dream He learned the costly lesson From the way of the Nazarene That pains the path to blessing Love will fight us to be found And God remains a dream to who sleep on holy ground Beautiful. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Producer Joe has suggested that we, in our community section, talk about a question here from a listener named Caleb. Are you up to answering this question, Michael? I'll, I'll give her a try. All right. The question is, or the comment begins, I find your teachings on the Gospels and Lament literature very fascinating and enlightening. However, one thing you Uh-oh, say... oh wait, wait, wait. However. <laughs> however. <this> is... <laughs> <laughs> one thing you say a lot bugs me, and I want to know more about it. You say often that we are not our gifts. What does yeah. this mean? To me, being alive in the service of God requires that we use our talents and skills to do God's work. It seems to me, then, that these abilities are what defines us in the same way that the ability to pound things defines a hammer, or the ability to turn nuts defines a wrench. I know the humans are complex and capable of many more things than a hammer or wrench on its own, and I know that God is an extremely capable user of tools, but I feel the principle still stands. If it were not so, then what are we still here for? Wow. Well, I mean, the very first thing he said, being alive in the service of God requires that we use our talents and skills to do God's work. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> but then he'll say that these abilities define us. Um, that, that's a very dangerous idea and a uh, great, great question, but, um, that's a very dangerous idea because first of all, what happens to you when you can't exercise that gift? True. I mean, what happens when you get old? Do you see, you know, you're, you're, you're not defined by your gifts and, and you know, my, my, uh, my method, Wayne, Wayne is always to look at the life of Christ. And, and when I look at the life of Jesus, he, 
does he use his gifts? Absolutely. Hmm. Is he defined by his gifts? Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus points away from his gifts constantly. He'll heal people and say, don't tell anybody I did that. Or he'll say, you know, it's not me, it's the Father. I'm only doing what, you know, I see the Father doing. And so the the, the great danger of thinking that you are your gift, um, uh, first of all, I mean, again, God gives us our gifts, and uh, Caleb, absolutely, we, we use those gifts to uh, glorify God. But when when your gift defines you, particularly in music, I have so many friends who are musicians, they think that's all they are. Uh, I don't think God means for us to be defined by our gifts. Uh, you're you're much more than that, uh, and, and certainly in God's eyes, you're much more than what you do for Him. But some people can only understand themselves in terms of what they do, mm-hmm. and uh, that you we are so much more than that. I mean, I'm I'm a child of God. I'm a beloved son, uh, whatever, and that has nothing to do with what I do for Him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm thinking of the person who is, uh, for whatever reason, circumstances don't permit them to use their gifts. You know, are they right. any, any less of a person? Right. Like I said, I mean, I'm old, I, and and I struggle with this. I don't. I'm getting old, and I don't tour as much as I do, and I can't write, you know, a song every you know month or so the way I used to. <laughs> and sometimes uh, I understand what, where Caleb's coming from. I think, well, gee, I, you know, I'm I'm not doing what I should do, so maybe I'm less a person, mm-hmm. but. You can't give you can't give into that. No, we we exist for His glory, and He, uh, you know, when my children were little, I didn't love them based on whether they could walk yet or not, or you know, <laughs> whether they could talk or whatever. Uh, I just think there's there's a deeper there's a deeper essence to uh, the meaning of what defines me, and it's not my gift. I am not my gift, and I think I probably come across. Uh, pretty adamant about that. That may be what he's referring to when I talk about creativity. But yeah, I think that uh, that's that's uh, as Forrest Gump would say. That's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you, Michael. And if you have a question for Michael Card, you can email us in the studio at michaelcard.com. Of course, our website is michaelcard.com. Much more information there. Well, coming up in the second half, Sarah Groves will visit with us here in the studio with Michael Card. Join us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll open up the program archives and present a session recorded at the Mole End Studio. The Bible teaching, guest conversations, and studio music performances are some of the most inspiring times when we gathered in Franklin, Tennessee. The instruments are tuned, the Bible is open, so make sure you join us. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear the podcast. All the details at michaelcard.com. excited about this half of the program coming up now with Michael. Sarah Groves is all queued up on Zoom to join us in conversation here, but before Sarah comes to talk, uh, several years ago she joined us in the Mole End Studio in Franklin, Tennessee, and recorded a song that we thought we'd open this conversation with. It's called The Word. Here's Sarah Groves.
So glad that we have that song from Sarah's visit to the Molin studio from a few years ago. Now, how long ago was that? <laughs> we we were on the road in two thousand and two thousand one, and so and it was a little bit after that. Is that right? So yeah, well, yeah, could be. Sarah Groves is zooming in with us here now from Minneapolis. So, but we have these recordings you made at the Molin studios. We're going to play another one in a few minutes. So stick around for that. Yeah, we we just want to check in and see how you're doing. I mean, you you've been a great encouragement to me over the years. Kind of my heroine in the music business. So we want to hear where, you know, where you are, how you're doing. I'm doing, you know, all things considered, um, which I have to always say right now, I think. I think everyone has to say that that at some level, but I'm doing, we're doing all right. You know, Um, I have been singing the song um, off my two records ago. Flood. I did a record called Floodplain, and it has a song on it called Enough, and it basically (laughs) talks about um, the verse where, God says there will be honey in the rock, sweetness in hard places. And um, that is uh, resonating with me right now a great deal that, Mm. you know, um, it's never all, nothing is ever all one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so this this season has been incredibly complex and lots of, um, lots of real hard spots and then a lot of sweetness in hard places. And so I imagine your stories are the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this. A lot of, lot of time at home. Now, now, I've been spending a lot of time writing. Have you been able to write a lot? Um, at first, I thought that I would be. So my, my whole family came home just, you know, I am, I'm edging into that empty nest zone, but I have one in college, a senior in high school, and then a junior high, my daughter's uh, I'm in I'm sorry, eighth, that's, that's not possible. That, that is grade. just not possible. Yes, yes. So... <laughs> So I'm getting there, but Kirby came home from college early, and you know, so everyone was home, and um, so it was unique in that I had a lot of time, but I had a lot of needs and things happening. You know, there's just a lot to ma- to be managing. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I don't know, I, I a lot of people have said to me, "You must be writing so much right now," and I I actually it's been so chaotic feeling that. Um, and I'm actually a pretty slow processor. So, for instance, Troy and I, a lot of the marriage songs that I wrote about us in our, we had a season, it was year seven in our marriage, which was, uh, we were in very 95. So 2002 is a, was our kind of like really rough year. And I didn't really write about that until the record Fireflies and Songs, and that's a good seven years later. So Good to process it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to look back on it. So I am writing music about this moment that we're in. Um, it's coming out in fits and starts, but um, I, I have a sense that I'll be writing about it for a long time to come. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just about 
I mean, I don't know what your relationships are like, but um, the most the stuff that come cuts and is close to home is the is are the personal relationships and the impact that all this this moment has had on uh, those kinds of like the rending, the divisions, the different things like that, and just um, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been intense. It's been it's a lot. Well, you're yeah. in your music room right now in your home. Tell me, tell me about the room you're in. I can see it, of course. This is where you yeah, come to I, come to write and perform. Yeah, for the most part, um, this is the piano that I've written everything on. I bought this in college. Um, mm. I I bought this before I had a car. So I, <laughs> uh, Troy, then will joke around about that it was looked pretty funny to roll down the street on this. <laughs> but um, so this is everything. I had this in my first apartment in every house we've had, and uh, it's a it's a Baldwin. It's very mellow. It has a very like I don't know. It has a um, a melancholy to it, mm-hmm. and it draws out good things yeah. in me. So you're going to bring um, a tear to Michael's eye because he he's <laughs> been he said goodbye to his favorite mm-hmm. piano recently. So was that a grand piano? You had a it, beautiful. Yeah, it was the one that was in the studio that you were just playing on. And every okay. time I hear it, I every time I hear it, I go, "Boy, I miss that piano." Yeah, mm-hmm. same it, thing. I remember it. I remember. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little for clump right now, but <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I do some writing here and then I write over at the art. So we live across the street from Art House North, which is um, you know, our attempt to put something beautiful into the world and Yeah, we'll, we'll talk um, a little bit more about that. I, I think people would like to hear more about that. We were inspired by Charlie Peacock's Art House in Nashville. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. And um uh, he will say that there's no good elevator speech for it, and there isn't, because we're responding to this neighborhood. We're trying to be here. And so uh, we've been shaped by a lot of neighborhood partnerships. So we ended up doing a lot of theater. Uh, we have friends who moved into the neighborhood. They run a theater uh, company. And so we end up doing a lot of theater, a lot of music, obviously, because I'm a musician. Um, so I do a songwriter workshop every year. And then Trey and I host an event called... Um, Artists respond, and that's where we look at different sort of cultural hot topics. And instead of through the lens of sort of um, a panel or t- our expert, we bring in artists to just reflect on it. Our first one was after Sandy Hook. I just invited a cello player, a poet, a dancer, um, songwriter friend, and a friend of mine in theater to respond. And I didn't give them any parameters. I didn't say uh, wow. you need to wrap it up this way or or make sure that this gets through. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, we needed a space for that. At, at the time, I was at a church that didn't acknowledge sort of current events very well. Uh-huh. And um, and I just felt like I no one had even, we hadn't had any space to grieve, you know? And so we had these five artists come, and it was one of the most beautifully orchestrated, you know, nights we've ever mm-hmm. experienced at Art House. So then since then, we've done around racial reconciliation, around uh, creation care, uh, different topics that uh, can sometimes feel, you know, super uh, binary. And we try to, the artist just has a way, right? They have a way of coming at things with their questions, um, with open hearts, and, and in a way of less didactic and more invitation, you know? Yeah. Um, would you consider this? And so uh, that's been a very quintessential art house feature. And then we have a church that uses it on Sundays, and there's just a lot of life there from the community as well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear more. I mean, you are right now in St. Paul, Minnesota, mm-hmm. sister city yeah. to uh, Minneapolis, of course, and Minneapolis has been on the forefront of the news for so long now, and you mentioned responding to cultural events. What, what's gone on as far as you and your family are concerned? Well, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been incredibly... Um, I, I don't even know. I think back to conversations that I had with Mike on the bus years ago, and he was modeling a really beautiful life of of you know moving towards reconciliation and what what that could look like, what the gospel meant in that regard, and um, and so he's been an exemplar in that way for me for a long time. But um, I still I think with events here around the murder of George Floyd, what uh, what my heart was really what happened to us, both Troy and I, is we realized we were picking this up as we wanted to, as we were able, and that there were people really at this work all the time because that was they didn't have a choice. This is this is the the life you know that they've that they've been given that they've stepped into, and 
Um, and so I think that right away, so it, so George Floyd was, uh, that those events happened on the corner of 38 in Chicago. We lived for eight years on the, on 42nd in Chicago. Whoa. So we lived right in that neighborhood. Cup Foods was a, we went there. We, we know that corner very, very well. And so the very first night we went, we went down there with Ruby and, um, just wanted to bear witness to what was happening. And so we participated that next, you know, a month or so, just showing up for like student rallies and different things with Ruby and just having some really, and, and the voice, but having some really um, very difficult conversations. And um, I, I think that probably um, I did a, I did recently a, a writing project with, it was a compilation of different artists and uh, that Tim Keller was sort of assembling some people to talk about what it means to be a Christian in this moment. And we just went around the circle and had said uh, before we went, went off with our writing assignments, we we're just reflecting on the what the hardest part of this of the season that we're in as a nation. And I had said that um, when I began learning about, for instance, redlining and and you know um, community contracts and some of the stuff that's happened up here in Minneapolis, my heart was so grieved. And I thought, as soon as the church understands this, they are going. There will be renting of clothes and sackcloth and ashes. I mean, I really, I really believed that if it was presented in a clear way what was happening, um, the types of things that people, their experience in the same, you know, same world that I live in, but they were having a totally parallel experience. I thought we will repent. I thought there would be repentance. And so to instead be out as a musician and running into conversation after conversation where there's no repentance, there is a doubling down and a almost like a uh, I, I just, that, w- that was heartbreaking for me, and I did not know where to go with that for a really long time. And so I think that these events have kind of helped um, Troy and I just like uh, really look and find, seek out the local things we can participate in and be a part of that. And, I, mm. and really engage in reconciliation at a level mm. we never have before. So. so you feel it's part of your calling now. It, it, it very much is, and Troy Works has worked at IJM, and we've been partners there. We've been doing this kind of work, but for mm-hmm. people overseas, yeah, and I think yeah. that I was, also that came was, home. I was going to ask about that next, right? Yeah, I yes, see the connection. And, and this is another connection to Mike, is that I I invited Shanoa to come with me, um, Shin, uh, Shanoa Alamu, to come with me to uh, play with at an IJM event. And um, I met her through you, Mike. We were mm-hmm. on the road together years ago. And um, and after this, so it's a large, you know, evangelical gathering. And she, she said, can, can we go to lunch after the very first, you know, session? And she didn't have anything bad to say about the work is, is incredible. But she sat down for me and she said, I am really struggling. Like, that's a room full of people who are affirming, you know, like, police brutality, and you're talking about next level, you're talking about top level systemic injustice issues, but but not for home, not mm. for here, mm. only for around the world. And she, I reported back to my friends and the different, you know, people at, at IJM that I knew, and I said, we're not, the way we're talking about this is not, this isn't landing right. You know, this is, and, and a lot of a lot of messaging changes and and not that sounds cold, but you know what I mean? Like the way they were even, even the way they were talking about, um, uh, they were almost skipping from the Exodus to, you know, modern day slavery mm-hmm. and really almost. So, so the whole dialogue changed around IJM as well, really because of those conversations that I had with. Interesting. Wow. Does yeah. she know that? Has she, have you told her? We're still in touch. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've told her many times and she, she confronted me with things. It was so good. And I yeah. I was able to, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, it's been an incredibly eye-opening last handful of years. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, well, I'd love Denny, to have a Denny longer Denson, conversation with Mike about it. <laughs> Denny Denson used to say, go open the door of your life to someone who's not like you. Yes. And that's where it starts. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Mike, the first time I ever heard the name Sarah Groves, it was from your lips because uh-huh. you were so impressed. I I have to think your admiration for uh, Sarah has grown over the years. It, well, it, it absolutely has because she's she's been faithful and she has used her gift in excellence. And uh, and uh, you t- talk about Kirby. 
I remember seeing him take his first steps mm-hmm. on the bus, oh, wow. and Tori wasn't there. So she said, oh, don't tell him, because I got to see Kirby walk before <laughs> Troy did. <laughs> so that was fun. So we go way back, because I saw a picture of uh, Kirby on, <clears throat> on, on your Facebook page the other day, and wow, he's yeah. like a, he's a man. Big, yeah, he's this yeah, beautiful kid. So yeah. Uh, um, I, I, have, I have lots of regrets in Christian music, but uh, my friendship with Sarah Groves is not one of them. I, I <laughs> thought that was the case. I really did. Yeah. Well, Sarah, yeah. it's been wonderful to talk with you, to see you. We can see you on Zoom as we have this conversation. I wonder, we're, we're going to reach back into the archive, and when you were at Mole End those years ago, mm-hmm. you yeah. sang another song for us called This Peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you remember the song well. Do you mm-hmm. want to set this one up for us? Yeah, um, it's just kind of touching on the, uh, we want we want all the feelings all the time, and that's just not how it works. And um, it's sort of an acknowledgement that um, sometimes these things are just, they just move through our, pass through our hearts. And to, uh, to take the moment to appreciate that, you know, I'm feeling, we have, we have moments of sorrow, moments of joy, and uh, to sort of uh, take those divine intersections when uh where the what do you say the uh but where it's the what do you say it's thin uh, between you and the lord it feels you know it 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 becomes thinner and sometimes it feels like the heavens are brass and then at other points it feels like those there are these thin spaces where where the eternal and the divine is are breaking in and uh, Mm. so this is a song about taking one of those moments and actually stopping and and breathing it in and uh letting it be what it is. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. It sure is good to see you again. You too, and I'd love to catch yeah. up longer. I know Troy would would love that as well. And and uh, all, all right, we'll look. You and up. I have a band. I have a banjo for you. <laughs> Thank you. Be, 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 beware! You, he has a banjo for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That was a threat. No. No. no, no. All right. Sarah grows from her home in Minnesota. Thank you, Sarah. Here's that song. This piece. So many words to say But I'm opting for silence So many days to live I think I'm sitting this one out Something I've been chasing Finally stopped to let me catch it Something I've been longing for And dreaming about It's a whisper in Grab the camera, no time.
to write it down Just time enough to breathe it in And linger oh, Good to reconnect with Sarah Groves. I get the feeling that it's been a while since the two of you have spoken together, Mike. Yeah, well, we've we've both been busy. I mean, uh, their ministry has has really taken off in in the last several years, and they're doing so many different things in the community and also with IJM, and yeah, then sure. still and her writing and her touring. So uh, she's a busy person. <laughs> and she's in Minnesota, and you're in Tennessee, and there's That's not right. a whole lot of travel going on these days. That's right. There? I mean, yeah. I don't get to see my friends who are in Nashville, so much less, you know. <laughs> I only see you and Joe because uh, we do this. Yeah, we Zoom yeah. together, don't we? Yeah. All right. Here's a Facebook comment uh, before we leave here today. You guys probably tire of hearing me say this, but I never cease to be amazed at the Lord's timing. When I got around to hearing this, it was exactly what I needed this morning from start to finish. So that was from Blair. So thank you very much. Wow. Scott says, we- thank you. May God bless his goodness. Uh, in his goodness, keep blessing your podcast, he says. So. And, and we never get tired of hearing that, no, do we? No, we don't. Yeah. No. Well, Mike, looking back on that conversation with George, I mean, you're no stranger to Matthew chapter 1, the two of you. It was really interesting to hear you both talk about the genealogies there. Well, you know, what I can do is sort of say in general what the, what the, what the, the broad positions are. George is the one who really interacts deeply uh, with Scripture to see all that structure and to bring it into the whole big picture of the covenant. Right. Uh, that's that's the sign of a of a real scholar. And after we signed off with George, he told us that he's going to be teaching a course on New Testament that will be available online to the public. We'll put information about that in our program notes so our listeners can pick up on that. Yeah, and when did he say that's happening? In January. Starts in January, in January. 2021. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a wonderful thing to be able to uh, do online with him. Well, Mike, it's been a great hour. I'm glad we had the opportunity to record this new program together with George Guthrie and Sarah Groves. Yeah. And good to see you even on camera here today. Yeah. So God yeah. bless you, you and look, Susan. You look real good when you're that tiny little square <laughs> just up in the corner of my screen. Yeah. You look awesome. Ah, good. I can fool people that way. All right. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. God bless you. See ya. And that'll wrap it up for this week. Thank you. And will you do us a favor and leave a review of our podcast at Apple Podcasts or other places as well that offer that service? You'll find us on many podcast portals. Learn about Michael's books, music, and conference ministry so you can expand on what you've heard in this session. We're found online at michaelcard.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.